The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 195. Brought to you by the five folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Uh, everything is delicious. I appreciate you asking. Jacksonville, Miami. Thursday night football. So far, Thursday night football games have been good. This has been a solid Thursday night football slate. Bengals, Browns looked bad, turned out good. Jags, Miami looked boring, turned out not boring because, as Eagles fans very well know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is good for at least a couple interesting performances a year. Mm -hmm. Next week is the true heat check. If they can make Jets versus Jeff Driscoll-led Broncos interesting, (laughs) Thursday night football is officially shaking the label, man, broken the curse. I want to tell you... I'm going to be watching something else during that. But I could not miss Ryan Fitzpatrick last night. Here, what a, what here's, a gem. here's the thing that's going to happen, which is just the worst thing. And you and I both know this. I'm going to say to myself, it's Jets Broncos. You don't want to watch it. You don't want to be involved. Don't do anything. <laughs> and then by Thursday at 3 p.m., I will have wagered on Tim Patrick over 2.5 receptions. And then I will watch the whole game screaming at Jeff Driscoll to throw the ball to Tim Patrick. And I will, <laughs> I will enjoy a second of it healthy decisions i'll watch the first quarter and i'll be like well got nothing else going on and nobody's on war zone so i might as well ride this thing out and just make fun of it on the timeline that's pretty much what will happen but we i mean we, we have our own game to worry about being right, a stinker we have our own pitiful sad <laughs> football watch yeah the eagles and Bengals preview for you here on the kissed and so like show before we dig into like the details of this game let, let's start with like a season-long question here right now and i found this interesting according to sb nation reacts Fan confidence in the Eagles might be the lowest I have ever seen it. Mm -hmm. They were 80% confident going into week one, the fans this is, 24% after week one, and now at 11% entering week three. People are down on this team. And look, we've gotten people recently telling us and BLG and Jimmy that we're being too negative, right? But man, I don't know what to tell you. 
before <laughs> because... the season had a lot of people very upset with me for saying the Eagles are probably going to win fewer than nine games. And now look at us. And we're not trying to gloat like this sucks. It's and just, you, it, I mean, right. it's understandable that we're negative. Yeah. It's like, listen, I think if this team were fully healthy, is an 11-12 win team. I think this team is not fully healthy, right? Now, are we ever going to get to a point in this season where the team is fully healthy? Doesn't look like it. Offensive line's got two out of five starters out there. You know what I mean? Wide receiver room is basically what it was last year. Like it's, uh, you know, uh, obviously you can uh, you can point to a season like this, point to last season and be like, this team would have been deep in the NFC playoffs is not for injury. It, it There's obviously things that belie the issues. The Eagles have no young talent, drafting, whatever. But um, this, the, the, the Eagles have been shorthanded since the jump, since week one. Injuries have been a significant problem for the team. We're going to week three. Injuries are a significant problem for the team. We haven't, you and I haven't even talked about Jalen Rager with a UCL tear. What's yeah. the point of being alive? Why, why are we here, man? I mean, if Jalen Rager, like, this is just so sad. This is the worst. I agree. Eagles' it is last bad. three first-round draft picks, Derek Barnett, Andre Dillard, and Jalen Rager, all have had significant... Barnett had a season-ending injury. Dillard had a season-ending injury. And Jalen Rager got two games in before he's going to start missing more than two games. Eagles not only can't get a talented first-round player, they can't keep him healthy. Right. <laughs> it and hurts. it's, yeah extremely uh bad luck on that front and and because of all of those factors we come into this thing and it's looking like a must win ben if the eagles go oh and three and we were talking about this with blg in the slack before the show historically an oh and three start for the eagles has an average win total of 3.3 wins and the most they've ever won with that start is six games so i think the question is and i think it's an easy one for me do you feel like the season is on the line here do you feel like do you feel like it's completely lost with an l here yeah i mean if they go all in three i think you can even like you can make an argument oh they're gonna beat san francisco and whatever like you know they'll get some wins under their belt but i think that you really ratchet the panic meter up to 11 if you lose to a team that had the first overall pick that's coming into this game oh and two um and that has shown to this point that while they have some juice on offense with Joe Burrow, while they have some juice on defense with Jesse Bates, DJ Reader, they're just an incomplete young team that's just trying to get experience for their guys, figure out who are their dudes for the future. Bengals are not out here trying. They're trying to win football games, so the team isn't built to win football games in 2020. The team is built to figure out how to win football games in 2021. That's okay. That's where the Bengals are. There's certainly, man... That that sinking sense of like, oh, a team with no explosive passing plays against the Jim Schwartz defense? There's no way the Eagles are going to give up four unnecessary 30-plus yards. But they, 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 that hasn't been the MO thus far. They've been successful with, with in their man coverage cells, not giving up deep outside, right? Like they, they battened down Terry McLaurin, and then obviously the Rams weren't really looking for deep outside vertical shots to the wide receivers, they never are. But they, they, they've been good through two weeks. They're going to play man with Darius Slay. Should be okay in that regard. But historically under Schwartz, when these, oh no, the passing game is just quick game offenses come to town, <laughs> those offenses tend to do really well against the Eagles. And we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that, but I really do feel like you go zero and three, and you, and you bring a, a great point. Not just zero and three, but you lose to a Bengals team right. that isn't anybody. Like I, I right. have to panic at that point. You have to think who 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 can who are you confident that they be? How how can you be confident that they make a run after that? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that it's interesting because, and I I I I don't know. I always struggle with this sort of sensation because I've been an Eagles fan my entire life. I know no media half as well as I know the Eagles media and the Eagles fan base. And so when I say, 
you know, it's interesting that the Eagles are 0-2, and a lot of the focus is on, like, locker room dynamics, front office coaching staff quarterback dynamics versus, like, the team is injured mm. is interesting to me, right? And I, 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 that's not to say if it were a different media in a different market with the same reality, then there'd be a lot more focus on injuries, but it's, it's, it's possible because I think Eagles fans kind of always want there to be that explanation. They always want to make changes front office coaching staff, right? No, no, no seat is ever hotter than a seat in Phil and a Philadelphia major sports team, right? <laughs> yeah. All of this to say that losing to the Bengals takes you from 0 2 to 0 and 3. It takes you from fringe. Maybe you can get back into playoff contention to you're probably not getting into playoff contention. That hurts. But I think the much bigger deal is that if you lose to a team like the Bengals, there's going to be very hard questions. Like, if you think the questions have been hard so far, right? Like, Doug, why is Carson regressing in year five? Doug, why is Carson missing layups? Like, if you thought, though, and though those questions got some answers that, like, you know, raised national eyebrows. Boy, you lose to the Bengals? <laughs> Boy, Carson looks bad against Cincinnati's defense, with which right. Baker Mayfield got right? Mm. eventually the, the the expiration date on those uh you know off-season chemistry tempo things those things die out you have to start giving different answers you're going to start to get more urgent statements you know carson came out and said uh oh and two i'm as confident in this team as i've ever been believe him or not you cannot come out after oh and three bangles and go <laughs> i'm as confident in this team as I've ever. you you use the card you played it now you gotta yep. win a football game uh so it's very interesting. I, I think that I, I've spent a lot of time this week just like asking myself the same question that I posed in the Monday show, which is why is Carson Wentz less accurate now than he's ever been? And I think it's a confidence thing. I think it's a I really do. I think that it's it's a it's a mentality thing. It's it's a play style thing. It's a decision making thing. It's figuring out all of those moving parts. Cincinnati should be a get right game and if it's a get right game as I expect it to be as I think it will be then I think we're going to see a better Carson Wentz for the rest of the season than we saw in the first two weeks of the season I firmly believe that yeah. if in the event that the it's not a good Carson Wentz performance against the Bengals not a good offensive performance against the Bengals that's a tough hole to dig yourself out of uh it, it, you're not going to find a softer defense until you get to Dallas and Dallas is not going to play soft against you because you're the Eagles and it's a divisional game. Like, you got to get right. You got to start getting the confidence back up on this one. Very important, man. I mean, they're at 10% chance of making the playoffs right now. That falls to 2.5 chance per making the playoffs historically. And, brother, I mean, let, let, let's look at the injury report, too, because the Eagles not only banged up in all the places that you mentioned, but for the second day in a row, Fletcher Cox missed practice with an oblique injury in his abdomen. Uh, Doug Peterson said today, as we're recording, we're finding out, you know, Doug Peterson says Fletcher Cox will try to get in work in practice today and is going to end up being a game time decision. Now, luckily, that's one of the spots where you have a little bit more depth with Malik Jackson. Hopefully, Javon Hargrave can kind of come on a little bit more, uh, but that's not great. Losing a uh, losing a key part of your defense if he cannot go. Other than that, the injury report is pretty clean. I mean, the guys that we know about. You mentioned Rager. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey was there with limited participation as he tries to work back to, towards a, like maybe in a an October start date with that foot. So he had limited participation. Everybody else was full participation or were resting for the Bengals. Uh, the big ones are Geno Atkins with the shoulder, Mike Daniels with the groin, both defensive tackles. So we'll kind of get into that. But let's mm -hmm. let's transition here and we'll kind of do our usual flow here of going with the Eagles offense against the Bengals defense. You mentioned uh, that this is one of the easier matchups for them. And Bengals defense is pretty much in the middle of the pack in scoring, scoring efficiency, red zone efficiency, third downs, pass defense, DVOA, all that. Like you mentioned, though, 
It was a get-right game for Baker Mayfield uh, against yeah. them after struggling big time in week one. Uh, and it looks like overall their biggest struggles have been against the run where they're 25th in DBOA. They are allowing five yards per carry. Uh, to that point, I need to see some explosive runs from the Eagles in this game. They have three, only three runs of over 10 yards this year. Only the Bengals have less. On the flip side, the Bengals are allowing the second most with the 12 of those explosive runs allowed. As I just mentioned before, uh, Geno Atkins, Mike Daniels banged up. So there's really no reason why these backs can't get going against this defensive line. But of course, what everybody is really going to want to see is an improvement in the passing game, namely with Carson Wentz, like you mentioned. And there's been a lot of time and energy spent on the scattershot mechanics we're seeing with Wentz that's leading to some serious accuracy issues. We talked about it on the on the QB Factory number 11 yesterday. I thought it was a really good show. You should go listen to that. Uh, nearly every quarterback-minded person in the world has offered their expertise. And on the plus side, like it's a really good chance to learn what we mean when we say, you know, quote-unquote, mechanics. But the negative side, of course, mm -hmm. is that it leads to questions about if Wentz is just fundamentally like broken in that regard. And there have been a lot of questions about can it be fixed, right? And I think the conclusion that Mark Schofield came to uh, was that, yes, it can be fixed, but that's a lot easier to be confident in when you're in the offseason. It's harder to be confident in that when right. you're in the middle of a week bracketed by two games. Where do you kind of fall on that? Can it be fixed and how much will it matter for him? Right. Yeah. So I, I get interested in QB mechanics once a quarterback starts playing poorly. And when mm. a quarterback's playing well, I do not care. Right. right? And yeah. that's, that's like, you know, people, uh, quarterback mechanics. I think the uh, a common assumption is in order to throw the ball well, you have to have good mechanics. And you really don't. If you had a, a, a ball of clay, eighth grade, you know, kid's going to be 6'3", 220 with a rocket arm, and you never thrown a football before, yeah, you're going to sit down, you're going to start by teaching him throwing mechanics. You're going to want him to throw the way that, that mechanics are understood because mechanics do two things for you. One, they promote consistency. If you have consistent mechanics, it's going to be easier to have consistent ball placement. And when I say ball placement, I'm not necessarily saying accuracy. I'm saying ball placement in terms of where I choose the ball to go, it goes. You can be a consistent thrower of the football but inaccurate in the sense that you don't always, you know, read leverage correctly. You don't always read route tempo correctly, right? It's a moving target. There's more that goes into accuracy than just mechanics is the point here. Yeah. So consistent placement, I choose where the ball goes and it goes there regularly because I throw it the same way. And then also the, the other side of the coin for mechanics that doesn't get talked about is longevity. Uh, a lot of the reason why you're seeing quarterbacks like Brady and Breeze hang around for so long is because they have such nice, condensed, controlled throwing motions. It puts no extra strain on the shoulder. They're not bending that elbow the way that like Mahomes does, right? And those sidearm releases like Rivers. Like Rivers' arm, Roethlisberger's arm over the last couple of years have gone to the gutter in terms of velocity. Hmm. Just because they were putting a lot of strain on their throwing arm with the way <laughs> they throw the football. So... When Carson Wentz is in 2017 and even 2018 and 2019, when his accuracy was not as good as 2017, but still not a prohibitive problem, they said like, oh, he's working on his footwork. Oh, he's working on his throwing mechanics. But as, as long as the ball is getting to a catchable place with consistency, I, I don't really care if you're stepping on your midline, if your toes aren't pointed towards your target, if you're locking out your front leg, if you're breaking the chain, stuff that Mark talked about. You start playing poorly. And now it's like, okay, well, what's, what's going on with the throwing motion, right? Because there might be an explanation here. That explains the poor mechanics or the poor accuracy. Excuse me. I'm I'm in, I'm hoping to go back into Carson Wentz film before 2020 and see if there's really been significant changes in his mechanics. But to me, when I go and I sit down and I look through the missed throws, I really just to me he looks like a quarterback who's got a rushed process, who doesn't trust his receivers, who doesn't have good timing with his receivers. And I think that 70 to 80 percent 
of your accuracy issues will be solved if Carson just chills out, doesn't feel like he has to make every single play immediately, feels like he has some pass protection, it feels like his receivers will help him out with an inaccurate ball, right? Because as we've brought up in the 2019 season a lot, Carson's missing a lot of receivers, but also like name the last time a receiver helped Carson out on an inaccurate pass, right? Like people are like, the Deshaun Jackson screen was a bad throw. Yeah, also hit Jackson in two hands. Mm. You know, Miles Sanders led him too far on the uh, on the um, the flat route. He did. Also hit Sanders in a hand. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 Deshaun Jackson, week one, fade route, too far for him. Jackson also slowed up. Rager, deep shot, end of the first half, Washington, too far for him. Rager also slowed up. Right. You know, like, <laughs> like, like uh, your receivers should help. And, and they rarely do for Philadelphia. And that goes back to the chemistry thing. I don't think you're going to see a significant change in Wentz's mechanics this year. If you do, I don't think it will be the result of like, as Mark brought up in the offseason versus in-season phenomenon, it won't be the result of Wentz throwing an extra 200 balls every single day and really working on his lead foot. It'll right. just be because he's more comfortable. It'll just yeah. be because he's thinking less and trying less hard and being able to comfortably play in the offense. It's going to be more natural. Right now, everything is forced. Right now, everything is synthetic. Right now, everything is... is everything means everything. Carson Wentz knows he's going to get judged on every single throw. Carson Wentz knows that every single throw could be the end of the drive because it's all on him. And I think once that pressure is alleviated, some of it being real and some of it being in Carson's head, he's just going to play better. And, and, and that's not a fun explanation, but it, to me, it, it is my read on the situation. So when you look at what you're going to get in Cincinnati with a lack of Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels, those are the two best interior rushers that you have in Cincy. Uh, DJ Reader went up to like 100% of the snaps in week two against Cincinnati, against Cleveland. He is a tremendous run defender, really good player. He's going to give Jason Kelsey problems. Reader's the sort of guy who usually does. Yeah. A huge dude, tough for Kelsey to move, plays over the nose. But like Christian Covington, Andrew Brown, uh, Freedom Akinlumadon, who actually was like, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know where they found this dude, but he's like, He's yeah. built like he's 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 gonna take work. He's gonna take time, but he's fun. Like these guys aren't uh, good interior rushers. And then on the outside, you're playing Sam Hubbard, Carl, uh, Carl Lawson, Carlos Dunlap in a rotation. And Carlos Dunlap obviously is like a, an eight sack a year sort of a guy. I think Hubbard and, and Lawson are good young guys, but again, neither one of them are are players you expect to give Lane Johnson fits uh, across the course of a game. Pass protection should be there for Carson. You go and you look at the secondary, and yeah. I mean, William Jackson is a, is a solid corner. I like yep. William Jackson a fair bit. Me He's too. a sticky player. I think that, he, you know, you saw him struggle with Odell in the long speed. You could see a similar thing with Deshaun if he's playing Deshaun up at the line of scrimmage. But then behind them, it's Darius Phillips and Mac Alexander. Uh, no Jalen Rager, certainly. But you want your wide receiver two and your wide receiver three, which I'm assuming for this game are going to be JJ, I think, a white side and Greg Ward. Yeah, you want those players to be successful against those corners remains to be seen if they will. I think we could be in for a solid Greg Ward game. Doug Peterson saying that they're going to have to lean on JJ Arthega Whiteside a little bit more. Yeah. I think Carson Wentz is going to have to accept the fact that he has to lean on JJ a little bit more too, yeah. right? Right. I, I, I shared this on Twitter, but it goes back to the trust thing. Arthega Whiteside is not a, you know, slice off a crazy route, hard stop, five yards of separation on a deep comeback to Sean Jackson guy. He isn't, never has been. If the Eagles drafted him to be that, they were outside their God-given minds. <laughs> he's clearly, he's, he has been since Sanford and has been in the league, a leverage guy. He's going to win by generating a throwing window without 
like you know a yard of separation without fully like you know we talk about separation we usually think corners over here wide receivers over there separation can just basically mean creating the throwing window and yep Arthago Whiteside has done that for his career in Philadelphia he and Wentz have just never got on the same page goes back to the Seattle missed fourth down where Arthago Whiteside widened out the mesh too far that third and two slant was a catchable football that just that Wentz expects Ortega Whiteside to know he's running into an underneath zone to slow down and be able to catch. That should have been a catch. They just do not get on the same page. You got that. You have to be able to trust a player like Ortega Whiteside, and Ortega Whiteside has done nothing to earn Carson Wentz's trust. So mm. it, he gets put out there for all those snaps, goes out there, runs all those routes, and gets a target because Wentz doesn't want to throw to him because right. it's never been a rewarding. Going back to the Lions drop touchdown in week three of his rookie season, right? Yeah. It's yep. never been a rewarding experience for Carson Wentz <laughs> to throw the ball to the doggone guy. Uh, so put him out there more if you want, but the conversation has to be had with your quarterback. Listen, this is what we've got. This is what he's going to run. And, you know, we're going to throw it to him and he's going to have to make a play. You got to trust him to make a play. So the, the situation is there for Carson on, on, against this defense to have time in the pocket and to have open receivers. So this is where, you know, if it's been a confidence thing, if it's been a timing thing, you should be able to iron out some of those struggles here today. Moving on to the DraftKings Sportsbook line for this game. The Eagles are a four and a half point favorite, shifting down from five earlier in the week as confidence wanes. Uh, the over-under is set at 47. So I think Vegas is saying this game is roughly 26-21 Eagles. Ben, over under on the Eagles offense putting up 26 points. I don't think they do. Mm. Uh, I I think this is an extremely run heavy game for Philly. I've talked about it as a Wentz getting right game. I think Wentz going to get to throw the ball in a lot of advantageous situations. I think that they're going to find him second in shorts on which he can push the ball down the field. Uh, take some more vertical shots with Deshaun, something that they had a lot of in week one and completely abandoned in week two. I think we kind of start to find a balance there. We know they tried to get it in week two. They just couldn't get it. Uh, so I think we start to find a balance there a little bit, push that ball down the field. The one place you really want to avoid is the deep middle on the Cincinnati defense. That's where Jesse Bates plays. That's a doggone good center fielder. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think they're going to still try to move him with play action. He plays in the box at times uh, and then be able to, to, to throw their deep shots over the top. So I, I think you're going to see a more of a deep pass game from Carson Wentz. Fewer attempts. They will obviously still work the quick game in the RPO game. But with the way that this Cincinnati linebacking core plays, uh, and they got a ton of young guys. Uh, Josh Bynes, who they grabbed from from Baltimore. But then Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, and Akeem Davis-Gaither, basically the, the, the guys that rotate in there behind. And Vaughn Bell plays in the box as well. They have a half a good run defender in Josh mm-hmm. Bynes. And there's no good run defenders in that second level. DJ Reader, Christian Covington is a good defensive tackle group to play the run. But if you can block that first level successfully, there's it's Josh Bynes or it's nobody really in that second level. Sanders is going to get a lot of touches. They're going to run a ton of different concepts to make that defensive line work, make that defensive line think. Um, so I think it's going to be a big volume Sanders game. It's going to be a lot of time of possession drives for the Eagles, really control the clock, control the pace of the game, feel you know from pole to pole like they've got the thing in hand that will really boost the confidence. So I think it's a low score because I think that they've shortened the game with, with running drives. I want to disagree with you because you're a nerd, but I think you're spot on with all of that. And it, it's hard to be confident in a team like 26 points against the Bengals. You think, yeah, sure, no problem. It's a 32nd ranked DVOA offense with a quarterback right. that has 3.33 adjusted yeah. net yards per attempt. I, I, I don't want 26 points. I just want mistake-free football. Like I just right. want like generally good plays. Give me a solid well. 24-point outing 
I'll be happy. I'll be a I, happy man. <laughs> yeah. If they have like 17 points on seven drives, you know what I mean? 17 points on eight drives. And it's just like, you know, then, then at that point, the game is kind of like, you know, in hand, it's 17 to nine, whatever. Then like, we'll go home. I'll sleep. It's okay. Like, I do not need them to score a ton of points. I think that there's a good chance that like the Eagles have like a, a decent point outing, right? Like twenties, like 21, 23. And people are like, offense should have been better against the Bengals. Listen, as long as like Carson does not make just like a terrible play, even like just like as long as he doesn't make like two terrible plays, mm. it's gonna be a dub, right? This is the in the, in that this is a get right game. It's not important that it's domination. It's not important that it's high output. It's not important that it's fun loving air guitar in the end zone on Carson Wentz's fourth touchdown of the day. Just don't make mistakes. Execute the offense. They're gonna go quick game a lot. They're, they're gonna go underneath passing a lot. They're gonna run the ball a lot. Convert on some easy third downs and just get your offense some good reps against a bad defense. Yeah. Look, I don't care. It, it, it can be three to two. It's a must win <laughs> game. Ultimately, it's a must win game. So just win, baby. All right. When we come back here on the Kist and Solak show, we're going to flip sides. We're going to talk about the Bengals offense and what they have to offer against the Eagles defense. And then we'll give our final predictions for this game. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Solak show. This thing might be three to two. All right. <clears throat> Put it in the pod. You won't. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 195, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak, and we are previewing this Eagles matchup with the Bengals. We covered the Eagles offense. Let's flip side to the Eagles defense, and to do that, we have to talk about this Bengals offense. I mean, A.J. Green is supposedly the big threat on this offense if we're just looking like who can hurt you. But he's been their big threat for years now, but he's off to a slow start. Uh, he's been targeted 22 times. Only eight catches on those, Ben. I was about to say, and for like 14 yards or something, right? Like, it's like a low yards per reception as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's super tiny. He's, I think yards per yards per reception, yards per target, I think he's somewhere around like 3.6 yards yeah, per target. That, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the number, yeah. That's what it is. Total 80 yards. He has two drops, a passer rating of 47.5 when targeted. Uh, the more efficient wide receiver for the Bengals at this point has been Tyler Boyd, who has been solid but unspectacular. And, and, and look, uh, these these issues with green, they're not all on green, even with the two drops. Eight of those targets, eight of those 22 targets came on throws of over 20 yards. None of those were deemed catchable by PFF. And we talked about this mm -hmm. on, on the QB Factory uh, number 11 when we previewed Joe Burrow. Uh, we talked about his early struggles with the deep ball. So th this is a question of chemistry between the two. And our friends at, over at Cincy Jungle are asking the question, if the 32-year-old is just losing his juice, and turning what should have been the rock of the offense into a major question mark because, like I said, 3.6 yards per target and getting it done. Mm -hmm. Now, I imagine, despite all of that, that Jim Schwartz will at the very least put Darius Slay on him in key down and distance situations. And in that matchup, I think I'm like with the way the green is playing right now, I'm taking yeah. Slay all day. 100%. Yeah. And, and for all the problems with the defense, Slay hasn't been one of them. Right. Only 48 well, like, yards like, allowed. Like we wanted Slay for so long. Yeah, and like a player like Slay, a and he's corner here. who can lock it, and it's like we got him. And then it <laughs> turns out the price, like the deal we signed with the Devil, was nobody else besides the defensive line can be good, right? <laughs> it's like Darius Slay is eliminating wide receiver ones. Everybody else is gonna have career games against the Eagles. This is how it's gonna go. You know, this is just and 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 of course, like you know, who could who couldn't have seen this coming, right? Every AJ Green target. Is uh, in which Darius Slay is in coverage is a, is a win for the Eagles. They've been very oriented on feeding him targets, 
And if they continue that in week three, that's going to be good news. I will say that this is a wide receiver room that is well built to taking advantage of Avante Maddox. Avante Maddox mm-hmm. out there playing outside corner at 5-9. Uh, the Bengals, after starting John Ross in week one, sat him to give more snaps to T. Higgins. T. Higgins went from 15 snaps in week one to 60 snaps in week two. Uh, if they're going matchup based with those guys and kind of rotating in the people who they think... <laughs> Higgins what, like, against... Maddox. <laughs> right, exactly. Higgins against Maddox came back when you were playing backyard football on Thanksgiving with your younger cousin, brother. You put that hand <laughs> up the moment you're even with him. Hit me on the back tree. Like, this is, right. you know what I mean? Like, you're just going to stiff arm that little guy. It, it, Maddox at corner, too, as, you know, it's it's very difficult because I think Maddox is a good player. Yeah. But I've been, I've been you know, uh, beating the dead horse here since the offseason. He's not an outside corner. Yeah. And the reason he's not an outside corner is sometimes, sometimes there are 6'4 guys who play on the outside, and Maddox just does not have a recourse there. Um. So both Green and Higgins, I think, are going to get a a lot of attention when they are lined up against Maddox. I think that Burrow is going to avoid Slay and throw a ton to Maddox. Now, for those who aren't big college fans who may not have have seen a lot of Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow at LSU in the Joe Brady offense, Joe Brady now the offensive coordinator in Carolina, was very quick game-oriented, very RPO-oriented, ton of empty looks, five-man protection, right? This is the best thing that's ever happened to Jim Schwartz because five-man protection means he really gets to put his four against their five. And with the Cincinnati offensive line, you expect to win that if you have an average defensive line. If you have a great defensive line like Philadelphia does, even with Fletcher Cox out, Malik Jackson, who's number one right now among defensive tackles in ESPN's pass rush win rate, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, and then your, your your backups, you know, your Hassan Ridgeways, your your Josh Sweats, should be successful against an offensive line that's currently playing Fred Johnson and Bobby Hart. Like that's mm. just you gotta you you gotta win those matchups. That's gonna get the ball out of Burrow's hands extremely quickly. And Burrow's been throwing a ton off of one and three step drops so far this year. This is where Eagles fans, especially those who've listened to the pod in the past, should have alarm bells going off because offenses who are willing to throw the ball Im- immediately, very early in the down. Cough, 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick are going to be successful against this Eagles defense unless you're able to put your guys on the line of scrimmage and win in man coverage. It's interesting because that's a lot of what Jim Schwartz wanted to do against the Rams. It obviously was not successful. He said he had a bad game plan against the Rams. I I hope he's not scared off. You should be willing to do similar things against Cincinnati. When they go empty five wide and you're looking at players like A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Drew Sample, because CJ Uzoma's out, Giovanni Bernard, you should feel confident in your guys to be able to at least man cover here, right? This is the talent you should be able to man cover. And I think the Eagles will be successful. Sample's a decent receiving tight end. Gio Bernard is obviously a veteran receiving running back, but you should feel confident in your linebackers being able to win enough of those matchups to get that that offense off the field. And so the, the formula for this game is is nicely built for the Eagles defense in the trenches against the pass, right? And even yeah. again, uh, the run where you have Joe Mixon running a ton of zone stuff, you expect that defensive line to be able to win, force them into passing situations. They're going to go five wide. They're going to go empty. They're going to ask Burrow to get rid of the ball quickly, put your guys up on the line of scrimmage, be able to win your matchups for two seconds, and then the pass rush should be arriving. This is the formula by which the Eagles defense should be successful. I expect them to have a good game against the Bengals on Sunday. If they don't, Woof. Joe Burrow, and I said this stat to Mark, top 10 in time to throw, 2.4 seconds, super, super quick. And that has given the Eagles fits before. Like last year, I remember a couple years in a row, there were stretches where like, the pass rush isn't getting home. 
well, you know, guys are getting rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds against this defense, and it's working. So why 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 do they have to change it up? Joe Burrow also top 10 in pressure rate as well. So even despite the fact that he's getting rid of the ball quick, he's the, the pressure is still getting there at him. And that's under pressure. Uh, Burrow has uh, has struggled a bit there, especially with his accuracy. A couple notes for the defense. Right now, PFF ranks them 26th in tackling. Last year, they were 21st. Joe Mixon is a silky, slippery dude. He'll make you look silly. Uh, he's off to a rough start so far, I think, anyway. Uh, he hasn't really Well, yes and no. Off. Like, he's not playing poorly, but also the Bengals are like, you know, it's a great idea splitting snaps between Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard. And it's like, brother, mm. one of these guys is good. Right. The other is really freaking good. Yeah. Like, they, they, again, like every AJ Green target being a boon to the Eagles, every Giovanni Bernard snap is good news. And, like, Bernard's going to catch a couple of passes, catch a screen, pick up a first down, and be like, darn it. No, trust me, it'd be worse if Joe Mixon was in there. Giovanni yep. Bernard snap is a good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. So, I, I really got to see some improved tackling there, especially against mixing it, especially from the linebackers where Nate Gary. <clears throat> TJ Edwards, Duke Riley, they have combined for eight of the team's 21 missed tackles. And I'll throw in Avante Maddox there as well for his limitations and coverage against a guy like a T. Higgins or something like that. He's also whiffed on a few, but you kind of expect that from a guy his size. Also, the Bengals, and you, you mentioned, you know, the, the the rough start for Mixon, but I think a lot of it lands on the offensive line, and Mixon has seen a lot of that in his career with Cincinnati. But they are not creating explosive runs or explosive passes. They have, they have one gain of over 20 yards in the passing game this year. And they have two gains of over 10 yards in the running game. That that worst in both categories. So the message here is don't be that team that gets torched by a patty cake offense. Uh, ben, what else are you looking at from this matchup for the uh, for the Eagles defense? Yeah, we okay. So we just saw a Cincinnati injury report on Friday. Mike Daniels is a go to play on Sunday. Uh, don't know to what degree he's healthy. He was good against the Chargers week one uh, before he re-aggravated that. I believe it's a calf injury. Uh, so Daniels is a nice boost to that interior pass rush. And with the Eagles starting Nate Herbig at left guard and Matt Pryor at right guard, Daniels 76 is the player to watch uh, in those matchups. Um, right, Eagles defense, Cincinnati, right? We talked about the quick game with Joe Burrow, pressuring the, the, the young quarterback. Burrow's been really good in late game situations, end of yeah. the first half, end of the second half, been really good in two-minute drills. You do want to have a multi-score lead against the Bengals because he's proven now in his first two games that he's taken them down the field and scored with two minutes left yep. in both games. Uh, so it is something you'd like to control. I don't think the Cincinnati offense is going to be very successful moving the ball down the field in the Eagles, especially if the Eagles are willing and successful to play man coverage against these wide receivers, which I think they will. I furthermore don't think that in the event they move it down the field, they're going to be very successful in the red zone. The Eagles tighten things up in the red zone, especially against these quick game passing teams. Usually you do see a bend, not break sensation there. Uh, I don't think the Bengals have a good enough offensive line to really emphatically run the football down there as well. Have to be worried about Burrow's uh, scramble ability. They like to use that in the near red zone. They like to use that on third down. Burrow is willing to tuck and they design him some QB draws as well. Uh, I'm not sure if it warrants a quarterback spy, but if it does, I will be interested to see who the Eagles quarterback spy is. Yeah. Uh, historically in the past, it, it's been Camus uh, Grugier Hill. They've used him in that role before. They have used Nate Gary in that role before. I do not think it will go well if it's Nate Gary. Yeah. Uh, and so if there's ever a way to get Davian Taylor on the field, this might be it. Yeah. Uh, Duke Riley, I guess. I don't know. It, it's interesting to see if the Eagles are getting burned by Burrow rushes if they try to spy on him and what that looks like. Uh, so something else to watch for that game. But defensively, this should be a, a team that is is finally, you know, in the mold of a team you should be able to beat. Because 
your, your defensive line is always your advantage. They always should be able to generate a good pass rush. That's the case every week. And then they have weeks against the Rams where it's like, the defensive line didn't do anything. Goff was under no pressure. And you look back and you realize the ball's coming out in two seconds every single time. Yeah. And you go, all right, Cincinnati's going to try to do this. But then with, with you know, even Zach Taylor, who obviously has a McVay background, they've not done a ton of mcveigh things. They don't do as much of the condensed sense. They don't do as much of the pre-snap motion. They like to go empty with Burrow. And that's where you should be able to line up a guy on a guy and be successful. You have the defensive personnel. You should be able to pull that off. In absence of a film review show, have you seen, Nate, were you able to muster up the ability to, to watch a full game of Nate Gary? That might have been against the Rams. Yeah. The worst linebacker, and we have given Nate Gary a lot of crap over the years. He has never deserved it more so in this one. Sometimes a player is, is poor, and you you say, all right, this is, this is a poor decision, this is a poor read, this is a, a mistake, and you're able to say, this is why, because this is what he's looking at, and this is what he should have been looking at, and this is how he should have understood what he was doing, and he should know that he's got a gap here, and he should know that this isn't going to happen in this case, and so on and so forth. And then a player's performance is poor to the point where you don't know why he's looking at what he's looking. You don't know what he's reacting to. And I say this half-jokingly because it also exonerates Gary a little bit. Like, right. I, I I think that Schwartz coming out and saying, I had a poor yes. game plan against the Rams is an extremely big deal because usually Schwartz is like, I don't understand why Russell Douglas eight yards off the ball in third and three was a bad idea, right? <laughs> and that's always not been my favorite thing about old no, Jimbo. But, but I but I agree with you. Yeah. Him saying like Jim made the situation bad with his game plan, and right. then Gary was in a bad spot already, and then it just like amplified the worst parts about his game, right? Right. It's like 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 the Tyler Higby touchdown that everybody's talked about, right? Yeah. It's like you know. Robert Woods is supposed to rub route for Tyler Higby, and Gary isn't even there to rub. Like, Gary's not even there to collision because he's not figured out what's going on yet. Yeah. And it's the sort of play where if it were made by that linebacker in Nate Gary's shoes, you would say, despite the fact that he's being asked to do something you shouldn't be asked to do, look at Luke Keekley make this play. Look at Tremaine Emmons. Look at Roquan Smith make this play, <laughs> right? So then you go and you go, well, Nate Gary can't make this play. So one, it's dumb that he's being asked to do it, which is on the coaching staff. And two, right. it's annoying that he can't make the play because he's been started for three years and we know that he can't make this play, right? So I, I honestly, I came away from the film more forgiving of Nate Gary than I usually am because I really felt like he was put in spots where where even a coaching staff who has more faith in him than I do should know that average linebackers can't <laughs> play the Rams like that. Average linebackers can't feel responsibilities like that. That's fair. So yeah, I, I thought I was... You know, I, I, I thought when I came away from that film, my biggest frustration was it took three drives for Jim Schwartz to go, okay, so we can't just chase these dudes all around the formation. Yep. Right? And and it's funny because once they start changing that and you see Nickel Roby Coleman rock and rolling and Ryan McLeod dropping down in the box and Marcus Epps and three safeties, they do slow the Rams attack a little bit. They do. It gets to 21-16. Carson throws the backbreaker and then McVay comes out with the changeups, right? Mm -hmm. McVay came out in that third half in the second half with the changeups. He came they out and he said, shot. if you're going to rock and roll your safeties, I'm going to start running, you know, uh, I'm running play action. I'm going to start handing the ball off and running backside zone. So as your C gap defender is vacating, I'm running directly at him as he's running away because you have to rock and roll your safeties because you can't deal with my play action. Right? So McVay has the changeups. He didn't have to pitch him for a half. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's the thing is, is when you dig that 21 point hole, because of how long it takes you to accept the fact that what you're doing isn't working, yeah. even when you get the defensive stops to get it right, you were so close, 
offense makes one mistake and then it's off to the races for the Rams, right? Mm. Doug doesn't go for it on fourth and three. Four plays later, it's a touchdown for the Rams because McVay came out with with the two and the one-two punch. Yep. Um, so, right, it's, it, that that inflexibility on the coaching staff was to me the most concerning part. Uh, the only other thing I'd restate on that defensive film is I know it's it, it's been frustrating that Fletcher Cox hasn't put up the stats that he's been put, we wanted to see him put up. I, I know it's good. I know it's frustrating that Brandon Graham you know, it's not a high sack guy. These guys are winning the battles. They're winning the yep. battle. It's it's yep. the same story. They're winning their battles. Just balls coming out. Quarterbacks moving the set point and the balls coming out. And you have to solve that as a team. You can't just win faster. You can't just beat the guard faster. Fletch is beating guards pretty much as fast as possible. You got to be able to make the quarterback hold the football. And when they do, defense is successful. All right. Let's go back to the DraftKings Sportsbook official line on this. Again, the Eagles are four and a half point favorites. The over-under is set at 47 again. 26-21 is what they're saying for the Eagles. We said under for the Eagles' offensive total. Both of us did. What do you think about the Bengals at 21 points? I, I mean, I'm just going to put it under. I'm going yeah. under. <laughs> yeah, I think all right, I think that this is going to be a lower-scoring game than the books currently expect. I do think the Eagles are going to cover 4.5. I think this is going to be the sort of game where the Eagles win 20-9. to nine. I think they're going to win 21-10. to 21 to 10. That's the sort of game that I'm looking at. I think that your best personnel when everybody is healthy is the offense but given what the offensive line and the wide receiver room is currently enduring your best talent is on defense your best players right now like oh, like lane johnson okay yeah, yeah. zach Ertz, dallas goddard yeah your best players right now on this team are fletcher cox javon hargrave darius slay brandon graham like those are your dudes and and you know brandon graham obviously like he he apparently like spoke in the huddle during thursday practice get everybody hyped up or whatever if i'm Doug Peterson and I'm just getting all these questions about Carson and I'm getting you know all this frustration on the offense and you know they changed their offensive identity like we talked about week one to week two and they're still trying to figure things out and I'm thinking to myself you know what do I need this week the guys I'm going to are Fletch Javon Brandon Graham Derek Barnett and obviously Darius Slay as well but I'm going to those guys I'm saying listen I I really need a dominant performance I'm not going to lie to you veteran (laughs) players we're struggling on offense we've got a lot to figure out there's a rookie quarterback. I need you to make his life hell for three hours. I need this to suck for him. I, I, I like if, if they could just not score any points, that would be great. Right. You know what I mean? And like, obviously yeah. I guess this is a bit facetious, but like that's, that's those no, are the come guys to him think, candid and humble. And yeah, yeah you got to rely on and say, listen, like, and, and you can even say like, oh, man, we giving you a hundred million Fletch. It'd be nice if you could destroy <laughs> Fred Johnson. You know what I mean? Like this is, I just yeah. need this one. And so, yeah, I think that you're going to see a, a really solid defensive performance and a little bit more conservative, a little bit more calm, a little bit more cautious offensive performance, which, you know, they'll they'll get the lead they need, they'll run the ball they need, and then they'll probably start looking for those deep shots again and just trying to figure stuff out live on the field in a game in which they should win. I'm going to go 23 to 13 Eagles. What about you for your final score prediction? I'll go 21-10. So about the same. We're expecting a, a yeah, two-score yeah. win, but it's going to be a bit of a slog, and and you just just win again. I don't twenty-one thirteen. Twenty-one thirteen. Okay. Yeah. And what did I say? I forget already. Twenty-three thirteen. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something, something like that. Doesn't matter. Let's just win. Just win. I don't care if it's three to two. They got it. They Let's... got it. I have faith. Yeah, sure. Big as confidence. one as an idiot does. As as an idiot absolutely does. Uh, panic on Monday, and then by the time Friday comes around, you're uh, you're feeling a little bit better about it. All right, Ben. That is going to do it for this preview show. Would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners that have been that? Thank you for listening. I know it's yeah. tough. I really do. No, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Soul Act show. Uh, 
what was the percentage of faith in the Eagles? 10%? 9%? 11, 11%, baby. 11%. So for the 11% of you who are listening, <laughs> being like, yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna be good. Thanks for listening. For the 89% yep. who are just hate listening, who are just in your car, white knuckling the steering wheel. For Seamus, who's just sitting right now in his living room, <laughs> screaming at us for everything that we say, probably. And watching um, Jalen Hurts highlights from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, no, we, we appreciate you tuning in. Listen, Bill's got to get paid if the Eagles are 0-3 and 3-0. and So we're very glad that you guys are riding it out with us. Uh, Eagles play the Bengals. 1 o'clock on... Is it CBS? Is this the Eagles' first CBS game? I have no clue. I have no clue. I Eagles, know it's on... Bengals. A, I know it's CBS? on A Street. Oh, wow. I love it when the Eagles are on CBS. I just generally like CBS. Um, so, yeah, Eagles-CBS, 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, in the immediate wake of the game, you can find my winners, losers, and I don't knows, as well as our recap podcast immediately on BleedingGreenNation.com and on BGN Radio. Then, of course, throughout the week, the usual recap and review, pre-cap and preview as we prepare for the San Francisco 49ers in Week 4. He's Michael Kist on Twitter. I'm Michael Kist, NFL's KST. I've been Benjamin Solik on Twitter. I'm Benjamin Solik. That's that's so LAK. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. Oh, let's not go 0-3, shall we? We all we got. We all we need. Let's go! Fly goes one. Fly. <laughs> PG.